realfaith.org.au We really saw a, a big need for schooling, to help with the schooling. There was one particular school we visited where we gave them supplies and they started crying because the kids hadn't had any of their supplies given to them from the government that year and what we had given them was enough to last for the rest of the year. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's Real People, Real Life and Real Faith with Eric Scadabo. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with accidental missionaries Jeff and Marina Jensen. Last time we heard about their initial adventure of buying a boat in South Africa and then sailing it from there to Australia and then around Australia a few times. But then they began to wonder what would be next. Then several people told them about some remote islands in eastern Papua New Guinea. It was while they were at one of these islands that Jeff experienced a medical emergency of his own and realized that this island lacked many basic medical supplies. Now we're going to hear more of Jeff and Marina sharing their story. When we departed that bay, we actually gave them half our medical kit to the uh, medical center there and just a boat that supplied medical needs for five people doubled their medical supply for an area of um, several thousand. Russell Island has about 5,800 people and it only has two medical centres. And one small medical kit that we had on our boat doubled their medical supply. So the Lord is working in your heart, showing you some needs there. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. From then on, we um, travelled to other places in Papua New Guinea. We had a couple of reasonably bad experiences. We went to a very remote area where it wasn't as friendly. And so we realised that, that we had this drawing back to Russell Island. This is where we're to go back to. So we went mm-hmm. back to Russell Island. We got to meet different pastors, different uh, communities along Russell Island, and we knew this is where we're to go. We could see a need with uh, medical like we, because of what I had. Then we really saw a, a big need for schooling, to help with the schooling. There was one particular school we visited where we gave them supplies and they started crying because the kids hadn't had any of their supplies given to them from the government that year and what we had given them was enough to last for the rest of the year. Now, you just happened to have this stuff on your boat? Yeah, we did bring some. We didn't realize the needs. We just, ha- we just had some stuff. We had some clothing. We had some schooling. My um, sister and brother-in-law are in teaching, and they got a heap of stationery left over from the end of the year and gave it to us so we could take to Papua New Guinea to gift to the schools. So that's what we did. When we got to that particular school, they were sitting on the floor. When I mean floor, it's just dirt. They all had a little blackboard and the teacher had a blackboard and they were sharing a chalk. That was their um, stationery that they had, share chalk on a blackboard. There was no other books, paper, anything that they could use. It was an empty room. So when you gave them those supplies and they started to cry, how did you feel about that? It was quite touching at the time. It was, yeah. it, it was, it was, uh, it was a little bit, um, 
difficult. Humbling. Because they, <laughs> humbling because yeah. they, they knew that we were coming to bring in them some stationery. So they pre-prepared bananas and some food for us as a gift back. Because mm-hmm. yep. the whole thing about Russell Island is they're all about gifting. They You gift first. This is what they do. So they would gift you a bunch of bananas. And it's not that they expect anything in return. That's what they want to do. They want to gift you. So when we gift them stationary, they felt very inadequate what they were giving us. So they canoed out to our boat later on that day to give us the more things just to say thank you. Because what we do is we go, oh, thank you for this. So we gave them some more stuff that we had. Well, we need to get rid of it anyway. It's only, <laughs> it's only dead weight on the boat. And they then had to go back and get us some more. It was this backwards and forwards. And we had to say, no, 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 we don't need anything from you. The last thing we need is stuff from you. We're just here to give it to you. But they're so grateful and so humble in the way, you know, that they are and that they're very giving. That They've got so little, but they'll give everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so far, it's just providing some material things and some medical supplies. There's not a spiritual aspect well, to what you're doing at this point. Is that right? That's, we can definitely see a need. What we, we could see is they don't have that same supply of information that we have. We have the internet. We have mm-hmm. um, this a plethora of um, commentaries on the Bible on how to interpret it, all these things. They just got the Bible, and very few of them have that. So they really don't have the same as we have. They don't have the teaching that we have in our churches or ability to um, resource that we have every day. So are they Christians, or what is their religious background? Yeah, Papua New Guinea is predominantly Christian um, faith. Mm-hmm. They're, it's, if you were going to a church in Papua New Guinea, you would be like going to a church that was back in the 60s or 70s, singing older hymns and very um, structured in that way. Now, is that because that's what they learned from some missionaries? Yes, that's yeah. basically it. Missionaries of the 20s you know, through to the 60s, what has set up most of Papua New Guinea. So, yes, they are Christians. They do accept the Christian faith predominantly. So that mm-hmm. part's the easy part. It's not the fact that you have to present them um, that the Bible is is true or not. They believe that. It's the fact that yep. they don't have that information that we have. It's more the equipping. Yeah, the equipping. Mm-hmm. Of okay. churches and, you know, the equipment of people, really. And what we found also is in those three areas um, of school, church, and and medical center, if those three things are working well in a community and if they're equipped, the whole community is better off. They're all just functioning really well. And we found in different areas where that's not the case, it might not necessarily be like that. So that's why we really Mm -hmm. felt the need to to equip them that way. Um, yeah, and, and even throughout the last year, speaking more to Phil and Pam about, you know, what we think and what we um, feel led to do, it's more and more becoming clear that, uh, yeah, we will more than likely be involved. It's, it, but like Jeff is saying, that it's not about the real need that we need to win souls there. Of course, that's really good too, but it's more about equipping them. So they're not hung up on, on maybe one verse in the Bible and then, and then, completely taken it out of context. They actually now have material to learn. And I can't support that more, what Marina was saying. When you see the church working well in a community there, the whole community just works so well. When that whole structure falls down, it's 
not the same. It's just not the same. They just, it's all there for themselves, one for one, and not for the whole community. When the church is working, it's all about the whole community, everyone mm-hmm. benefiting together. So this is basically how you became accidental missionaries. Just step by step, the yeah. Lord led you. Yeah, exactly. Like like I was saying, we were taken to a remote area and shown what it's like uh, when the church doesn't work and what it's like when the church does work. He clearly showed us this is my plan. This is how you can move forward, and it was just so obvious. And also seeing the people there, it really changes you. It changes who you are, and you realize that not everyone in the world lives the same lifestyle and has the same blessings that what, what we do. And yeah, I definitely yeah. feel you know the Lord's doing a work in us just as much as how he might be doing work in them. We've grown great. so much over the last year just by doing this, and I really can't emphasize that more. If you really want to grow, then get out there and do the Lord's work. Wherever he leads you, you'll grow tremendously. Sitting back mm-hmm. in your lounge chair on your computer is not going to get you growing as long <laughs> as actually getting out there and, and treading the pavement, what he requires you to do. So what happened after that first trip? Well, we um, had another two accidental meetings with Phil and Pam. From Maranatha, one being when I was sick, Phil walked across the island of Russell Island to come and see me because I was not well to see whether there was anything uh, he could do. There wasn't anything he could do, so that's where that one ended. And then the next time we met on another island called Missima Island where we had a chance to have a meal together and um, do a little bit more sharing. This is the first time we really got a chance to share our Christian faith. They got to share their Christian faith and a little bit about what they were doing. They were very shortly after that period of time sailing back to Australia, but we still had a lot more to see and do in the area. And from then on, about uh, six weeks later, we got to meet them at Townsville. As we pulled into Townsville, cleared through customs, they were there waiting at the dock to tie up our lines. We didn't expect that at all. They they were meant to be long, long gone. Long gone, but they got held up in Townsville. So for the next two months, we sailed down the Queensland coast together. The wind was not favourable. When I mean by the wind not favourable, <laughs> it did not allow us to get down very quickly. We were held up. And that's where we got a chance to talk to them in depth, what they've been doing, what we were doing, how the Lord had led us, how the Lord had led them in that same vision. And even the same people that we met in Papua New Guinea were people that they were dealing with year in, year out. There was one particular man there called Ziggy. Now, he's a pastor mm-hmm. on a church in Russell Island, and mm-hmm. Ziggy was told 20 years ago that he was going to, in a dream, was told he was going to work with international ministries. And he didn't even know what international ministries meant. The word was not a word that he (laughs) used. So he had to go and ask all his friends, what's this word, international ministries? Eventually found a friend who says, that means you're going to work with whites and they're going to come from other countries and work with you. Two years later, Phil turns up on his doorstep and says, I think the Lord has led us to work with you. And he goes, yeah, I know that. He told me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and then it wow. then took um, Ziggy another two years before he explained in depth what the Lord had l- shown him 
because he didn't trust him. He says, I want to see whether you come back or not. I don't know whether this is going to be a flyby visit or you actually mean what you say. And, of course, they did. For 17 years, they um, came back almost every year. And then little be known to us, um, when Jeff was sick, they were actually, um, these people had prepared a leaving party for Phil and Pam because it was their last year. So um, they... So, oh, so you just happened to come exactly, right yeah. when it was Phil and Pam's last year. It was their last year. So we didn't even know that was really happening. Um, they had a really big over-the-top because that's what they do over there in P&G, uh, <laughs> like farewell party for them. And they had left... Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks prior to us returning to Russell Island. And um, when we got there and we finally met these people, we said, oh, yeah, we hear you're friends with Phil and Pam. And they, they just cried. They were so happy that we turned up. They felt so, yeah, sad that they'd lost them and they knew that they weren't going to come back. And they didn't yeah. have any news of, on any new people coming. And they were just so happy that we were there. It was really humbling as well. So then we knew... Nah, this is what we're to do. And we didn't even then at that stage really know what are we going to do with those people, but all will be revealed. Like everything has been revealed this time. We're trusting that the next trip will be the same. So did those local people kind of assume, oh, these are the replacements for Phil and Pam? It seemed that way, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you didn't even know that. No, not really, no. Our guests today are once again Jeff and Marina Jensen sharing how they became accidental missionaries to remote islands in eastern Papua New Guinea. We'll hear more about how the Lord has been working in their lives when we return right here on Real Faith. Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and our guests today are Jeff and Marina Jensen, who live on a boat most of the time and travel to PNG to provide medical, school, and other supplies to remote islands. But this is not what they originally set out to do. The Lord has been leading them every step of the way. Before the break, we heard about another sailing couple named Phil and Pam, who had been doing this type of ministry for several years and had kind of become their role models. Now we're going to hear the rest of Jeff and Marina's story. When it comes to sailing boats and people moving around this country or around this planet, we haven't found many other Christian couples moving around on sailing boats. It's a rarity. (laughs) So it's not something that you come across very often at all. So for two boats to be brought to the same area and it's the only way you're going to get to this these islands is by a sailing boat. You're not going to get there by any other means of transport. It's just non-existent. So in effect, you became the Phil and Pam replacements. Well, that's yeah. What, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much the way you explain it. When we were travelling down the coast, I think after a, quite a few meetings with Phil and Pam and, and down when I say down the coast, down the Queensland coast, 
Um, mm. Pam actually says, well, looks like this is the handing over the baton. And we go, uh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> Still don't in denial. So. <laughs> yeah, how did you denial. feel about that? Uh, so that's that was definitely what Pam said. She believed that this was a way to go. Yeah. And um, it's just what we're led to believe. We're clearly not, I've said it many times, we're not Phil and Pam. I have a smaller beard than Phil. <laughs> he has a much bigger beard than me. And um, Pam is a teacher with a teaching background and she loves teaching. So we're not Phil and Pam, but we are led in the same way. They gave us a video of their 10-year experiences put together in one small video. And as soon as we saw that video, we go, wow, that's identical. When they talk about equipping churches, equipping schools, equipping the hospitals there, setting up communications, that was all what we were shown. This is where we're to... um, really put our efforts so it's Mm -hmm. just done in a different way like we really want to go to the villages and the churches there and bring the bible project to them because Uh it's in a picture form that they really can relate to it's done so brilliantly they're very visual learners so that will be really helpful to them because especially the older people, they weren't mm. taught to read and write. They do speak English. There's 860 languages in Papua New Guinea. And with 860 languages, English is what ties them all together, but they all speak their own language within their own communities. In the past, pidgin English was used, but now English is more so. And in the schools, it used to be they would speak their own languages up to the third year. And then after grade three, then they would speak English, but now it's all English from the day they go to school till the day they leave. So English is what ties them together, uh, but they not that illiterate. When you speak there, you don't speak in complicated sentences like we're talking now. Yeah. You would speak in simple sentences like you would speak to a five-year-old or three-year-old. So reading is not a big thing that they do. So do you really think that you're making an impact in that area? Oh, yes, you're definitely making an impact. Uh, we've got to be very careful with the impact that we make. We've got to make sure it's definitely godly and not misleading because they think that we can do miracles in all sorts of ways. That's just not... Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell us about the, the whole drone thing. They have a different way of looking at things. <laughs> yes. They, now, drones are a new thing in Western society, let alone... In their society. Yeah. <laughs> so to bring a drone there and fly it around them, the little kids there are all saying, oh, there's a little man in, the, in that drone <laughs> flying it around. And they weren't calling it a drone. They were calling it a flying machine. There's a little man and they're all going home and telling their parents that there was this miniature little man flying this thing around. <laughs> they didn't associate the fact that I had these controls in my hand flying it around that made it move around. Um, we used a large iPad and did like selfies where they were looking at themselves for the first time in a iPad and they were amazed. We had one little girl was watching, we just videoed her and then was playing it back to her and she said to her parents, oh look, there's my friend Rhonda and some girl's wearing my dress. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even recognise herself. She didn't know it was herself. No. No. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
So they don't know a lot about modern technology and those type of things. They know of it. We, the, one of the funniest things we saw going around was we someone had a mobile phone. There's no reception, but they walked up and said, "Can they do a selfie with us?" Mm-hmm. That was so. Oh. Yes. So probably the only <laughs> use they have for that phone is to take a picture with it, and that's it. <laughs> it it, oh, it was well. not yeah. a modern iPhone no. by any means, no. but yeah, they yeah. asked for a selfie. So yes. It sort of trickles in, but not yeah, the same yeah. format that not we have. Not at all. And it's no. usually people that travel through that have been to Port Moresby or, you know, any mainland big city, you know, and oh, okay. they've been subjected to that because um, there's not much in, in the Louisiades itself. When someone leaves Russell Island to go to mainland Papua New Guinea, it's a four-month trip. They wow. will, uh, if they got a boat that they can jump onto... It generally takes a minimal four months before the time they can come back. Either the winds have to change or they have to find a trading vessel which turns up once a month with their trading vessels. That's the only way that brings supplies and brings their copra, which is dried coconut, which is one of their only sources of income, back to mainland Papua New Guinea. That, that if it's bringing fuel, it doesn't bring people. If it brings... Um, People can't bring fuel. So it's only once every two months that this boat can bring people backwards and forwards. That's their only ways of moving around. Okay, well, to wrap up our conversation, what are you most passionate about now going forward in your ministry work? I guess um, obviously going there and meeting the people again and, and doing all of that, but also bringing it back to Australia because when you come back to Australia, you realize it's such a like a reverse culture shock in a way. And yeah. over there, they're crying out for God. And over here, you know, you, you come back to a society where we're just really so spoiled. We've got everything. Yeah. And, and you, you just, you know, only have to walk down the street and you realize people just don't need God in their lives because they've got everything. And mm. I think my passion also is now to bring that back to Australia. And as we travel back to Perth um, the rest of the year in our caravan, to share and inspire people with that, um, you know, that with the work that we've been doing over there and, and, yeah. I suppose for me it's also going there to learn the people and how their structure, their family structure works. Mm-hmm. If they don't, their family structure there does not work like ours. So learning their family structure, learning how they work so that we can interact on their levels, we interact so that when we can speak into their lives, we can speak into their lives with true knowledge of what their lives are like. And what is the future for the two of you? Well, in the next um, several weeks, uh, we'll hope to depart from Bundaberg to go to Papua New Guinea again. We're just waiting at the moment for our passports for Scott, our 13-year-old. Once that process is finished, put all the supplies that we have been gifted from people around Australia uh, onto our boat and bring it to that island of uh, Russell Island. So is this something that you see yourselves doing for years to come? Uh, Possibly. Yes. We'll, <laughs> yeah. We never say is, never. <laughs> and we're not saying that we know where our path is. It's just that he's leading our path. Yeah. yeah. We just, let's see what happens. We definitely believe that this is not our only, our last year we're going. We're going to be going, doing this down the track more so, and we're just open to um, the Lord's leading in this area. So what is a special thing that you've learned from them? Well, when we were there, almost straight away, they taught us this one saying, and that was, 
God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. And that's the thing that just shone to us so much, that how good God is. And now whenever you hear God is good, we automatically reply all the time. God is good all the time. And we can tell from your story how good he is and how he just led you accidentally to have this wonderful adventure. Jeff and Marina Jansen, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for thank having you. us in. Our guests today have been Accidental Missionaries Jeff and Marina Jansen. And if you want to find out more information about their adventures, their Facebook page is called Island Home Goes PNG. Once again, that's Island Home Goes PNG. You can look them up on Facebook. You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next time for more conversations about God working in the lives of people who put their faith and trust in Him. That's real people, real life, and real faith. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.